From our 901 Mission Street studios, you are listening to the San Francisco Chronicle. Pixar is very much an East-based studio, but the people who work there come from all over. When I started interviewing Pixar filmmakers in the early 2000s, it was clear that being from somewhere else informed the movies. Director Pete Docter is a native Minnesotan, just like Riley, the girl who moves to San Francisco and Inside Out. Brad Bird is from Montana. Andrew Stanton is from Massachusetts. A lot of them are commuting into Emeryville from Marin or Sonoma or San Francisco. So I was stunned and really happy when I met Jonas Rivera, and he was one of the most flag-flying East Bay people I've ever met. The producer of the new movie Toy Story 4 grew up in Castro Valley, getting his job at Pixar right out of San Francisco State. Rivera produced Inside Out and Up, which may have the most Oakland moment in animation history. Real-life Fenton's Ice Cream Parlor is like a plot point in the movie. Here's Jonas Rivera talking about baseball. Our A's beat reporter Susan Slusser is the other voice you'll hear. He reminisces about the greatest game he's ever seen in person when Scott Hatterberg hit a walk-off home run in 2002, securing Oakland's record 20-game win streak. And you know, in that 20-game win streak, it went from kind of, we could run around the stadium, sit wherever we want to, ESPN's here and it's packed and we can't you know, get a hot dog. And that was just so... That was just nuts. Nice. That's why you, you people like. That's why people make movies about sports is because of stuff like that. I remember you said that after when Hadwick hit the home run, you remember seeing your dad and strange and strangers hugging yeah. each other. Yeah, people hugging. Some dude and my dad hugging, like like the war ended, <laughs> and that's how it felt. It was like the, this. Nothing could be ever could ever be better than this moment. You know how rare, how cool that is. Oh, I know that? exactly. That's sports. Just I mean, that's like, what we love about sports. It is legit. Yeah. So this interview is going to be a little different. I ask a lot of questions about Pixar. Rivera was a production intern putting desks together for animators before Toy Story was released. We talk about why Pixar is making Toy Story 4, which is out June 21st, after Toy Story 3 seemingly had the perfect ending. And the second half of the interview is Oakland and baseball. Rivera has won Best Animated Feature Academy Awards for Up and Inside Out, but talking to me and Susan, he sounds just like another fan. Someone who loves his longtime home and can't quite figure out how he got this incredible high-profile job. We're your concierge for culture in the Bay Area. I'm Peter Hartlob, and this is The Big Event. Welcome to the big event, and welcome to the San Francisco Chronicle, Jonas Rivera. Thank you so much for having me. Jonas, I'm here with Susan Slesser, our A's beat reporter. Yeah, my dear friend. Hi, Jonas. Hi. This is delightful. And this is, is going to make more and more sense as we go along, because <laughs> in addition to being producer of Toy Story 4, Inside Out, and Up, you are a Oaklander. Yeah, yeah, I'm an East Bay guy, and... Uh... Enormous A's fan. A, a big A's fan. I think I'm, I'm well, I, I pride myself on how much I, I love the A's. Yeah. I've yeah. grown up with them. Very cool. Well, I, I have a Toy Story 4 question first. Okay. Um, Inside Out and Up like, are high on the list of Pixar films that made me cry. 
And I like to know this ahead of time because yeah. I like to, you know, just sit there in theater, watch yeah. the credits and know Toy Story 4, where's that going to rank? On the, I don't need spoilers. Yeah, no, I don't want to give spoilers. You don't want to give spoilers, but in terms of how much it's going to make me and other viewers cry, where does this one rank? Well, it it made me cry. Okay. It made me cry. And I've seen it a million times. And when I watched it kind of with the crew, we had our rap party the other day where the whole company watched it. And in a weird way, it felt like the first time I'd seen it. And my, my wife sitting next to me who hears all the the negative stuff and the, the hard work and the probably actually me complaining about it um, uh, said said, Oh my god, it's so good. You you didn't tell me it was it was good. And that <laughs> meant the, that meant more to me than anyone. So she and she was kinda of wiping a tear, so but I can't tell it, it's it's um all the movies are emotional. I mean we work hard to make them mean something to people and so it's not like we're trying to make sad movies. We just want you know, meaning, meaningful movies. And this one certainly is meaningful, at least to me. Yeah. Susan, your Pixar movie that made you cry the most. I, Toy Story 3, definitely an up. I think both yeah. of them up early on, obviously. Toy Story 3 at the end, yeah. Yeah, Inside yeah. Out, though, when Bing Bong, like... Poor Bing Bong. Makes yeah. a poor Bing Bong. R.I.P. Bing Bong. <laughs> um, when he When he, like, <laughs> sacrifices himself, I just... That kills me. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Uh... Now I'm crying already. We're three minutes into the (laughs) podcast. You are a early um, Pixar employee, and I understand SF State, um, and a lot of the people from Pixar I've interviewed are like CalArts people, and they're sort of part of this group that came up from LA, but you're a local guy. Yeah. Yeah. I I, I did. I came out of San Francisco State. I'm not a CalArts grad. I mean, I'm not an artist, right? I was the, I, uh, so my path came through production. And I was lucky. Yeah, you're right. I'm an, I'm sort of an old school Pixar guy, but you just pulled some newspapers that show the real old school. There's 1986 here <laughs> yeah. when it really started. But I came on in late of 94, November of 94. So it was about a year left, almost to the day, before Toy Story came out. And uh, it was a completely, you know, different place than it is now. It was tiny. There was 150 people maybe. What, what was um, the job application like? Because there is no Toy Story or anything right. that you can sit and go, God, that's the coolest place in the world. It, it wasn't the coolest place in the world yet, I'm guessing. It, well, I, nobody knew what it was. I mean, no. I, I remember trying to tell my family about it. No, nobody knew. They only knew when I said the commercial, and you may remember the Listerine commercials where they, they were boxing. Do you remember those? <laughs> and uh, Pixar had done a couple of commercials. There were a few like that that people had remembered. Um, but... And, and I didn't really know about it until film school. At San Francisco State, I saw Luxo Jr. in sort of this collection of, of animated films. It was in like a history of animation class. And that was the first real computer animation that I loved. And I just wanted to work. I just wanted to work in film. And I wanted to be an animator as a kid, but I had no, sort of like baseball, we talked about this, I had no skills as an animator or as an athlete, but I loved animation. And I just studied it and wanted to work. I didn't know if I, maybe I was gonna be an editor uh, something in production. So there was no job application. There was no internship program. It was literally um, someone, one of the teachers, and I think one of the students in a screenwriting class said, "You should, dude, you should call him." <laughs> so I did. I called. I called the the main number, uh-huh. and uh, they were lucky because they were Toy Story was a year out, so it was crazy. Now I know what the studio looks like a year before a movie comes out, and it's chaos. And they were basically like, "Come on down. We need we need help. Can you you know." 
can you move desks around or whatever it was. Just describe that chaos. I mean, what, what, give me a couple of scenes on the making of Toy Story when you come in as a, I'm guessing, 23, 24 yeah, year old. Yeah, 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 about that. I walked in and um, I remember that first day, it was just kind of them touring me around. I have one specific memory of them walking me back through animation and they said, the first thing you, we're gonna do is you need to go to Office Depot and buy a bunch of desks because we've got 20 animators coming in. There's nowhere for them to sit. So I think that was my first task of literally driving, you know, a forerunner or whatever over there and just building by hands these these desks that the animators could work on. You didn't just have to buy them. You had to. I like, had to buy them, bring, kind of a Kia style. Yeah. Home, like bring them in, build them, and uh, and I remember there was a guy animating on the on the movie. He was uh, his name was Dave Fighton, uh-huh. and uh, I I'm like. You're Dave Fighting, and I re- recognized him from like Disney Channel specials that I used to record <laughs> on VHS because he was animating the Bears and Mr. Lincoln. I'm like you're, da- oh my! And he's like, how do you? you know, <laughs> how do Here's you know a desk, Dave Fighting. Yeah, I was like, what an honor, you know? I, because I'm such a Disney nerd, you know, I'm looking at everything and recording everything. So I recognize, and I loved that. Like, oh, it was sort of part Disney, and you know, it just had this this. Um, crazy collision of like Lucasfilm people and Disney and and animation and story artists and I I fell in love with it. Did you know what you what path you were going to take I mean or was it just because you're a producer now how do you go from being the intern putting together the desks to being a producer who's you know accepting the Academy Award and uh, and yeah um sorry compress those 20 years into two minutes for us it's it's wild I, I um I mean not to be corny about it but even on that first day i that first day by the way they they were showing um they were showing a clip they had just uh, filmed out we call it sort of finished the first scene it was the first scene is the army man scene Uh, if you remember buzz Lightyear, that's when buzz comes into the room and the army men go down the stairs and all that and um it, it had temp music and sound but it was done and they, they i hadn't seen anything i'd seen a few things on monitors some sketches and things and the producer ralph guggenheim he said well come on in you're new you should see this because they're all gonna we're all gonna watch i think they were getting it ready for seagraph which is a computer graphics convention if i'm remembering this right at any rate i went in and they had all seen it a bunch of times and worked on it clearly for years and years and years and they they rolled it was on film a hand spliced their jump cuts you know as the tape would go through the gate of the projector and it just melted my mind i mean if you can imagine you know just i just even to this day it's like i can i can't even describe like seeing it the first shot is what are you going code red you know sergeant you know what to do and and that whole bit and just i remember thinking like i don't know what i'm looking at like, what is this and um after that you know of course the lights went up and that group tore it apart oh that was wrong this was wrong that's you know that's not working this needs to be whatever it was yeah. we still do that to this day and i just sat there are you guys kidding like people are gonna melt this is like i've always kind of imagined that's what it might have felt like a little little bit like seeing star wars for the first time if you were working on yeah. it or fantasia or something it just it just blew my mind and i just that day literally i i kind of made this weird kind of cross my heart promise to myself like i'm gonna do whatever i can do to help put these shows on and and I'm gonna work so hard that they're not they're gonna need me because if they if I'm not here they're gonna have no desks to work on or whatever it was I just remember it was all about kind of work ethic because I wasn't again I wasn't an artist so I just I I was like I'm at your service Pixar what can I do and that's that's worked I mean that's all I've done it's not that different now I just kind of come in and all these artists I get to work with um and and I help put on these shows you know yeah 
Yeah. You're smiling very broadly, yeah, Susan. Yeah, it's a great story. I mean, going from the desks to this is pretty. It's a, it's pretty a great, great honor. Yeah, I mean, it's really it's really neat. Yeah. Um, what's changed and what's stayed the same in the years since then? What 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 about Pixar has has not changed and and what stayed the same? Yeah. Well, so, what's not changed? What's not changed is at least for me, like I still have that feeling. Like I still, we, again, we had our Toy Story 4 wrap party the other day and I sat there with everyone we've worked on and watched the film together. And I still have that feeling of like, this is, this is, um, people are going to love this. Like so my friend Glenn McQueen, who was a, a friend of mine back in the early days, he anim- was one of the supervising animators on Toy Story and all the way up into Cars. He used to say that these movies were like surprise parties for the world. Like we kind of know what they are and we believe in them and, and we hold them real close and then one day we, we throw them out there and there's this, and we hope everyone loves them of course, and there's this sense of, um, I don't know, it's almost like being in a band or something like with your best friends, you're making something, you're putting it out there and you get to just watch people enjoy something. I mean, it's really rare job to have, right? Mm-hmm. That our job is to make stuff and you know, do good business, and you want it to, to but you, to make stuff that people like, and have, Toy Story is especially um, important to us because people have not grown up with it. You know, I've got people on this crew, Toy Story Four, that like Bill Reeves, I was talking about, who's in the paper, and even myself that worked on the first film, working next to someone that was six years old when the first <laughs> one came out, and they're telling us that it was their first movie, and they're, you know, with the same amount of pride. That, that we have with it. Yeah. And in a weird way, even more. Like it's almost like their childhood, right? And so that feeling, ugh, if I could somehow blend all that up, like that is the same. Yeah, It's obviously so different. It's bigger. There's more people. There's, you know, it's, it's you know, it's this massive 1,200 person studio, three or four films on at the same time, all kinds of divisions. And, y- you know, it, it, like any company that's grown, there, there are things that we trip over a little bit and, and it's, it's never been perfect. It's, it's not now, but it's pretty great. And um, it, it, seems, it seems pretty pretty special. I think of you and Pete Doctor, like yeah. you and Pete Doctor sitting in Merritt Bakery, you know, <laughs> discussing. I, I interviewed you both, I think, on Up, yeah. and uh, and that's how I've thought. Of, but but you're this is not a Pete Doctor film. No, uh, is this your first producing job? It is. It's not my, working my, with him. It's my first job without without Pete day to day. Although Pete has now slid into a, you know, he kind of runs first chair of creative over the studio, so he's. You know, he's over everything. Yeah. And I still talk with Pete Lott. But Josh Cooley, who's the director of this film, Toy Story 4, he was the head of story on Inside Out with Pete and, and with me. And he was also a story artist on Up. And, you know, he's he's been a great contributor to a lot of films. So he and I have worked together for many years. We were, I think he was an intern on Cars. Mm-hmm. He was a story department intern. So that's kind of cool. I think yeah. we, we both um, have kind of come up from, from the internships you know, up. So Josh is, uh, he's my partner in crime on this. And I have a co-producer, Mark Nielsen, uh-huh. who is amazing. And he, he and I, I think he came on, he's the new guy. He came on on a bug's life. <laughs> <laughs> um, and Toy Story 4, give me the synopsis, you know, the spoiler-free synopsis. I'm sure you've got it uh, in your head. Yeah, well, I'll take a crack at it. It's, it's, um, it's it's really a, it's really a story about second chances. I mean, we 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 stumbled over a little bit at the beginning in, in a way that the, I'll just I'll just cut to what the audience usually asks is just why do you why did you make it? You mm-hmm. know, because three is so good. Three is a great ending. Even my family asked me that. You know, and 
and so we sort of started there. It was like, well, okay, what's the question? You know, what's the answer to that question? Why? Why would we make it? And and one of the things that Andrew Stanton, who's one of the writers, and he's kind of the one of the godfathers of Toy Story. You know, he wrote, co-wrote the original, and has been directed many of the films at Pixar. His thing was always he'd almost get mad because I would say the same thing, Andrew. It feels like that was the end or something, and he'd he'd, he'd get mad, but he'd go, no, no, it was never. That's not the end. Mm-hmm. He'd say something like, you know, that's a, it's a great ending. We're all proud of that ending. But that's the ending of Andy's story, right? Mm-hmm. And academically, Toy Story and emotionally is about Woody. And he would say this as it was, and I'd be right. He's right. And, um, <laughs> and so if that's true, if you'd accept that, then this is sort of a beginning for Woody. And if Woody's gone through all these things, one, two, and three, all the things we've seen him learn, and he's landed on his feet, we have to assume that it's not going to be the same, right? He's with Bonnie now. Uh-huh. There's no way Bonnie's going to play with her toys the same way Andy did. And if you accept that, then you go, well, how, how would it be different? What if, he, what if he wasn't the favorite? What if it didn't work? You know, what if it was, what if it threw him off his game a little bit? What if it challenged kind of his role? He's always been about his sense of duty. Toy Story is really about a guy just trying to keep his job, mm-hmm. right? And so what if we could challenge that and pivot him in a way that would, that would um, be his real change after all the stuff we've seen? And so we came up with this, this hopefully spoiler-free tagline because part of the, the drive of the movie is Bo Peep. We've always loved her, mm-hmm. and she's, she's been absent. She wasn't in the third one. And we've even had debates, like, is she even a toy? She's a lamp. What is she? So <laughs> we played into this almost crisis of, of, of identity for her, and we thought, what if you could – the reason we want to make Toy Story 4, or the only reason to, is if you were to theoretically meet Woody – when, when all the stories were done and ask him, like, what's the biggest thing that's ever happened to you in a conversation like this? We'd want his answer to be the second time I met Bo Peep. All right. That's the biggest thing that's ever happened to me. And that got us excited because, okay, now we've got something that no one's seen and no one knows and we could dramatize that. Anyway, that's a blah, long, sorry. No, that's all good. Way too wordy. But though that was the volley that had us starting to sit forward in our chairs, like in a story room, a writer's room, where we started, we started you know, all of a sudden two hours have gone by when we only had an hour and we're still talking about that. And that's usually our trigger at Pixar. We're like, okay, there's something here. Do, do you feel more pressure? Because the two other movies that you produced were, were originals. Do you feel more pressure considering how, I mean, Toy Story 3, I tell people that that and Ratatouille, I think are my t- two yeah. of my favorites. Ratatouille, I love Inside yeah. Out too. You know, it, it kind of changes daily. Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, Toy Story 3 just really brought it home. And is that is that a little more pressure? I've, it is. It is, to be totally honest. I mean, Up and Inside Out were really hard. Up was the first film. And up and these, those films were a lot harder to pitch. You can imagine trying to pitch Up before you'd seen it. Yeah. Um, we used to joke about it. It was like the worst pitch ever. Oh, the we, merchandising. The I mean, merchandising. There was not yeah. a lot. It didn't <laughs> spark a lot of, you know, <laughs> ancillary business. for the, the company supported it, and everyone's proud of it. Yeah, but it wasn't a Monsters, Inc. or Finding Nemo or Cars or anything. But we're really proud of it. But in a weird way as a producer, I almost got to hide behind a little bit because it, it like, it's like we snuck one in. And it was hard to do that, and we had to certainly promote it and, and make it work. But Toy Story is visible. Toy Story, like, everyone has an opinion about Toy Story and what it should be. And the world, the attitude, both in and outside of Pixar, is a little bit of like, don't mess that up. You know, don't yeah. rec- people said, don't mess up my childhood. Yeah. And inside out and up, they're like, we don't know what you're bringing us, so cool, we'll take it. Uh, you know sure so this one i definitely feel more of the of the of the pressure of that well i i 
Susan and I, yes. you know, we're constantly in touch over when 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 sports and and entertainment intersect. And yeah. I think Susan, it was you who alerted me to the fact <laughs> that uh, as Jonas's want to do, a little bit of Oakland got in this movie. Susan, when did you realize? Uh, it might, you might have mentioned something to me when um, Dan Brown, my husband, and I went to lunch with Jonas and his parents one day at Pixar, which yes. was wonderful. <laughs> um, they but love you. You might have mentioned something about there might be some sort of A's reference. Yeah, yeah. And um, then lo and behold, there there's a there is definitely an A's Easter egg in this, there as, is. as there has been before. He snuck some A's stuff into into yeah. some other things. Well, let's go let's go back and start there. Yeah, Oakland has made its way into movies that you've produced yeah uh, we, we've talked about this Fenton's is Fenton's, the obvious yeah. one but there's other ones too Fenton's can, is the obvious one, can yeah. you list a few and and if there's some that aren't out there I understand if you don't want to tell no, us no yeah um no Fenton's is a great one obviously that one that one uh in up at that, the end of up that's uh there's it's actually a plot point it's a plot point it's a, Fenton's is, we the, that was intentional because we wanted something to just sound real like it doesn't matter if you're from here if you hear someone say yeah we had butter brickle at Fenton's just get it it's like a kid having ice cream but so we wanted it to literally be Fenton's we asked them if we could do it we got a couple free ice cream sundaes out of it and it's a great <laughs> little little button um there's little things, you know, all of us, it's not just me, all of us work on the films. And I was in the art department on, the, on Bugs Life and, uh, and, uh, and Monsters, Inc. And so uh, Tia Cratter, who's the shading art director on those films, when we were, I remember we were set dressing the, uh, the kids' room at the very first scene of Monsters, Inc. And we had just things, you had, we had to fill the room with hats and, and, and things like that. And so... I asked Tia if she could color spec the hat in green and gold, so it's right over the bed. It's almost the first shot of the movie, you know, little little A's hat snuck in and out there. There's so many little little things. I mean, even when I didn't work on The Incredibles, if you you know when he's on his little his his car at the very beginning and he checks his map where to go, it's you know it's San Pablo, uh, you know all, yeah. all kinds of par- Park Ave where Pixar is. Our address is always in it. Um, the, the, my favorite. Well, you mentioned the merit. You know? yeah. By the way, I had lunch there the other day. The new, they moved again. Yeah, you know? yeah. And they uh, the we quick there. way, the old quick way. Quick way is now vacant. Yeah. And um, oh, they moved again. And they yeah. they moved again. And so they're they're you know on on Lakeshore now in a, in a little spot. Yeah. So I had a went and had some chicken there the other day. But we love the merit so much. And Pete and I would go to the merit at night after work, and uh, on up, and we would try to figure out what we were going to do the next day and how we were going to get this movie through and we'd sit there and they had this beautiful cake case with rotating cakes and one of the cakes was a burger yeah in you know burger in the I've seen this cake. cake. There are yeah. two sizes. There's the small hamburger cake yeah. and the big hamburger cake. Because exactly. apparently they need two they need sizes because there's enough demand. We <laughs> thought that was so funny. And so what we would do is every time there was some sort of production milestone, you know, Animation Dailies had a great week. We would order a burger cake and, and they would write, you know, congratulations, Animation. And it'd always <laughs> be a little off, but that made it even better. And we would bring it into Pixar and, and celebrate with a burger cake. Half the crew, most of the crew, didn't ever know why or question it. They just would get a burger cake and be happy and then we thought well we have to honor that so one of russell's many badges that he's trying to collect throughout the film is a little burger cake that's awesome you know right there that is, that you know by awesome. the way that we we tried to get a burger cake for the wrap of toy story 4 and they said we don't make oh no <laughs> we discontinued the burger cake so somewhere they made a decision no <laughs> that's like the punchline closing um you know luca's ravioli closing and the and no more burger no cake. more burger cake yeah, yeah. a lot of things Babylon. Beach Blanket Babylon. Yeah, a lot of the great things. You have to enjoy them while they're here. 
Well, I wanted to talk a little A's with you, too, um, because you're a huge A's fan. You are yeah. in Susan's book. I know. If These Walls it's Could nuts. Talk, Stories from the Oakland A's, um, Dugout, Locker Room, and Press Box, Ken Corrick and Susan Slusser. I'm, I'm, I'm doing your Yeah, thank you. I appreciate you. this. Yeah. Yeah. I don't even you were interviewed in, in Susan's book. You're a chapter. It's Jonas. nuts. <laughs> he was wonderful. I think, I think Jonas's chapter really is my favorite um, because he... Uh, explains the fan experience so beautifully so well it, it's so genuine uh plus the story itself is is lovely you know he went to games with his dad as a small child and now he's taking his kids which is wonderful but my favorite part is how Jonas somehow manages to compare um Pixar and the East Bay pro- professional sports teams and baseball and animation, which he makes it somehow makes it all work, and it's fantastic. So it's I think the most interest, unusual and interesting chapter in a baseball book ever. Yeah, it is a strange fabric. It is. But a, I, it but, is unusual. It's but good I do though. It think fits that way. You know. Yeah. It, what was your first game? Do you remember? Oh, or um, earliest days memory. If, if my, you know, I re- I have hazy memories of going with my dad. Like, I was born in 71, so I have very hazy memories of really early, like, with his friends going probably, like, 74, you know? I, I kind of remember those days. I, I, I don't know if I've created this memory. We studied this on Inside Out. But I remember seeing Charlie O. So whenever that, seeing the, 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 the mule down there, you'd know better than I when that kind of... Mid-70s. Mid-70s. Yeah. But my real first kind of... Um, legit memories where I remember vividly is kind of seeing Tony Armas and Dwayne Murphy and and Ricky Anderson and kind of kind of the Billy Billy Ball you know Billy Ball days I mean I had a hat signed I was I bet you in one of these pictures that we were at Bruner's in Dublin my parents took us down I think Ricky was a rookie his first year and it was him and Wayne Gross that I got assigned I still have it and in my mind that's like those are the two best players ever you know when, when you're oh. that age. But one of them is. <laughs> one of them is. One of them is, ever. Yeah, I, I remember that era, because I was a, you know, our family, we went to Niner games, and yeah, we were big yeah. Niner fans, and I, I'm i a Giants fan, too. I'm sorry. Yeah, no, that's okay. I, I, I read your book. Mike said, I actually wore a Giants hat to her book signing party absentmindedly, like it was just in my yeah. car, and it was yeah. sunny like, out, and I'm walking there. It was there. a book party, so there were a lot of A's people there, and here's my coworker strolls in wearing a Giants cap. I wasn't even thinking about it. it I, sorry, Susan. It's okay. I Belated get it. apologies. I feel like we need to break that it's down. It's very on brand. Yeah. I, I get, I get, you have never liked the Giants. I think it's because of. Um, but I don't hate, I, you know, I, but I think it was because like Bill King and Ken, and you've talked about this, like he would just openly talk about it. He, he didn't hold back. Yeah, I like that organization. I remember. Yeah, he called in the TFGs, yeah. which I think people can probably figure out what that stands for. <laughs> and that's so great and so rare that someone like, yeah. So I just absorbed all that, you know. So was that, I mean, meeting Ricky or getting to the games, what kind of made you go from being a fan to making it being something that really became a passion? I think that, uh, you know, just growing up this in this area, in the East Bay, I grew up, by the way, in Castro Valley. I was going to Castro Valley, you know, in the 70s. So I just, I've always thought about the timing of this. I was born in 71, so right, you know, on, on the, like born into the dynasty. So my dad's going to games and just the sound of the games and just that, that was so electric. And then by the time I was kind of old enough, it just felt it was accessible and cool and Billy Martin's there and it just felt huge. And then... So I have all that where you're just falling in love with baseball and Ricky Henderson's there and um, 
it's just it was just an awesome time and then I graduated high school in 89 oh. so like my whole youth is kind of bookend by the by the A's and I kind of, I kind of just have marked the seasons of my life like that was the, the them winning the world series like the greatest thing ever so it just we just spoiled by how great they were yeah. and I remember hearing that in that documentary the rebels of Oakland Hanks but before I ever worked on these movies or got to meet him saying something like every year he was in he said I don't remember them losing or something like that like they were just bigger than ever in the 70s and I felt like oh that was echoed in kind of my high school years Hindu and you know Parker and Stein all that whole that whole Lansford it just felt like this is this is never going to end mm-hmm. and everyone liked it I mean Canseco and the, the, to me that was almost like a tall tale like Casey at the bat kind of things I mean I remember people like you wouldn't go to get a snack when he was coming up it just feels like out of out of the, the 20s or something yeah and I don't know just all that stuff just somehow impacted me deeply I mean Ricky just being being from here and seeing him and how much joy he like even this photo it's like you're looking at a photo right now of him and Ricky Hindu. in the dugout with Dave Henderson and Ricky's looking like it's his you know he just made the team like I know that I yeah. know that expression on him. like <laughs> you, you, you know, I think that's it it's like I feel like I knew these guys you know yeah I remember really you said one of the things that made a big impression on you when you were pretty small was you went to a game one day and Billy Martin lost it and was yes. tossing things out of the dugout that's and right. stomping around which you just don't see in baseball anymore but that's the sort of thing when you're a little kid that maybe they should do that more they talk about baseball losing its popularity get maybe they have, should yeah. this you is know? a clear memory for you it's clear memories we had pretty good seats you know we were never sitting in in the great seats but we were I think we were down you know not, not in the front row but down close to the dugout and <laughs> I don't remember exactly what it was, but he was furious. Someone's out at second or something, and he probably kicked dirt and on all that, and just went into this is the theater of it. Him walking back into the dugout and disappearing, and then just chairs flying out of the dugout. It was like a Bugs Bunny cartoon, and everyone crazy. And yeah, I love that. It just was so cool. He just was awesome. How, how many games do you get to go to a year now, and does it fluctuate when you're in a situation right now where, like, Toy Story 4 is about to come out? And yeah. You're, you're here with me. You know? It's I go I, we, we get 22 games, I think, is our, our package that, that my dad and I get. Now I have four seats, so I'm bringing the kids or, or my mom or whoever. And, uh, yeah, a year like this, as great as a year is for me, the, the heartbreak is, oh, I'm, I'm going to be on the road. Like, we're gone almost all June and July promoting the film, so I'll, I'll be missing a bunch of games. But I'm always following them. Mm-hmm. You know, best best game that you've ever been to, or most memorable game, and is there a game that you missed? Like you had tickets to it, but there was a another thing going on. You gave it up, and it was a huge game that you missed. Mike, Mike, and I just talked about this. You Mine was the know. Dave Dravecki. Uh, oh, really? Comeback game. I missed that in '89. So, so. you don't even want to know this one. But the other day, oh. well, well, we finished up Toy Story. It was my birthday. My wife sort of surprised me she said we're going to take the kids just for a few days for three days we're going to go over to Hawaii she booked it all it was great took a few days off we flew over to Hawaii never been to Kauai we're there my parents take the tickets (laughs) and it's the no hitter (sighs) of which they're going to kill me and I get back to the room in Hawaii. Of course, it's it's late, and I, and I'm I'm right because that was the lights and the delay and all that. And I and I wrote, I hope you stayed. And he goes, Nope. Oh, oh no! no. So we both missed. Oh, that's painful. Oh, that's I know. Brutal. The only saving grace is I'm such an old timer. I begged the A's to grandfather me in and not use the app. Well, I use it, but I, I still get paper tickets. 
Yeah. And since my dad went and used the app for his too, my mom and dad went, I still have the tickets. But that, I'm, 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 I feel sick at telling that story, but yeah. there you go. I'm sorry. I, I'm sorry example. to bring that up. <laughs> well, tell me, tell me one that that a big game that you're always going to remember that you, that you did get to see a piece of history you did get to see. Well, yeah, that the 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 biggest game and probably a lot of people say this so it was at the Hatterberg game. I was at the oh the wow 20th game and, yeah. and, uh, and that home run as and featured in Moneyball. As featured, <laughs> movies have been made about it, yeah. literally. And um, no, that's that is that was un- unbelievable. I mean, yeah. you you know, as a fan laboring through it all and oh, i'm a warriors fan i know, you know about it yeah. you know when yeah. it finally happens and the build-up of that like that was such that's different than anything i've ever seen in any in anything because it's you know the world series even you know has a cadence and it's gonna you, you know when it's g- gonna end or, or 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 go forward this was just such this strange middle of the year spectacle and you know, in that 20 game win streak it went from kind of we could run around the stadium sit wherever we want to ESPN's here and it's packed and we can't you know get a hot dog and that was just so that was just nuts nice that's why you, you people like that's why people make movies about sports is because of stuff like that I remember you said that after when Hadwork hit the home run you remember seeing your dad and strange and strangers hugging yeah. each other yeah people hugging some dude and my dad hugging like like the war ended <laughs> and that's how it felt it was like the, this nothing could be ever could ever be better than this moment you know how rare how cool that is oh i know that? exactly that's sports just i mean that's like, what we love about sports it is legit yeah <laughs> very cool well we're we're gonna wrap up but i i wanted to, you're in the chronicle archive yeah. did i hear did you start the pixar archive yeah i i did i was the one um i mean a lot of people have have were involved but i i will say i was the one that pitched it to to kind of the first time i ever got to pitch something to steve jobs um and the reason that's that was one thing, but the reason was uh, more interesting to me because I love being down here with this stuff. There was this there was this myth a little bit on Toy Story because it was the first computer animated film. So all the stories, everything about it was about the computers, and that's clearly a huge part of it. But what people didn't see, and what I loved, was all the artwork, the thousands of storyboards, and the the the, the pastels that cued the lighting in the film, and the animation, the drawings, and the. The, the, the what we call model packets, which are like blueprints for Woody, like the, the blueprints of Woody, was all on paper. And at the time, of course, Disney, we, we were partners with Disney, and my, one of my jobs was to pack it all up, and that has to go get shipped down to Disney. I felt like the end of Raiders of the Lost Ark. Bit. <laughs> and uh, I just thought, really, this isn't, you know, God forbid this place burned down, like we'd be able to back up the computers. Like this is the only thing irreplaceable. So, and I love animation art, so I, I pitched that could we, could we build? I still had to send that stuff down, but starting on a bug's life, we we built out an archive. Now it's a full department with really smart library scientists and. I've seen the photos. It, yeah, it looks incredible. It's really neat. But I got to dig around the halls and, I you know, find the old sculptures of the baby and Tin Toy and you know I remember finding the first Buzz Lightyear, Bud Lucky, um, who was one of the designers and one of the animators and story artists in the early days of Pixar. He worked on Sesame Street. He I, went all I was the way back. lucky enough to interview did him. You know, I, yeah. I did a feature on him and Bud he was, was incredible. Best. Yeah. He was the best. He said like 14 words yep. during the interview but yep. it, they were the right words. Yeah. You know? he was, Bud was such a gentleman. Yeah. He built the, he made the first Buzz Lightyear sculpture and I remember it had a, uh, <laughs> it had a glass helmet you know and I don't know 
broke or something like that. And we said, Bud, where'd you get that? And he goes, oh, that's my porch light. <laughs> <laughs> so that's just, just an example of like how homespun it was. It was like, yeah. <laughs> he unscrewed his porch light and that was Buzz's helmet. So yeah, that was, that was, that was a fun project. But this is a, I, I love, I love stuff that is, I love saving like the old stuff. You can't see photos anymore, even newspapers. Yeah. And I'm so grateful to be in this room because that's if I ever get to go down to Disney down at the lot, I always try to go into the archive where you pull out just like this, and it's a, and it's a background from Peter Pan or something. Yeah, it's like just unbelievable to me. Well, you you come back anytime, Susan oh, or I'll let you in if you just want to. When, when you're between, when when the production schedule ebbs a little bit, come here for a couple hours, and I'll let you look around. And likewise, come to Pixar. You know, yeah, both of you guys I'll, come I'll, hang I'll, out. I'll get back there soon, and I have a gift for you. Um, I read Susan's book. If These Walls Could Talk, yeah. stories from the Oakland days. And um, I had heard ahead of time that you're a Charlie O fan. Oh, so man. this little photo from our archive. No of, yeah, you can There's describe Charlie that. O. Charlie O's the mule. He was a mascot. We should yeah, describe Charlie this. O. Susan. Yes, yeah, the most embarrassing photo in, in this book um, is me on the mule, you age about yeah, age about eight. I think it was a neighbor's birthday party, and they, so they'd I guess you could rent you could have rent out <laughs> you could Charlie O's. So he was across the street. Who's going to turn down it's for your walking birthday? across the street? That's, it was yeah, it was yeah. So neighbor's kid, but it's a horrifying photo. It really is. It's so. real. I think it's great, and I love this. Is I will treasure that this. one's a nice yeah. one. That is a nice photo. There are lots they, of they great bring them Charlie around O's before stories. the games, right? And yeah. They used to take them into restaurants and stuff, crowded restaurants with people eating. And you know, mules are That's gonna do good. what they do. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. He was he was kind of a uh, hoot with that. What a, mule. what a subtle name too, Charlie O. Charlie. Yeah, Charlie Finley. O. Finley. Isn't that great? Honor, yeah. What an honor to be here. Thank you. Oh, it's so my pleasure. Much. And Toy Story's out on. Yeah, the twenty-first of June. You get the final pitch. Yeah, jo- twenty June twenty-first. Toy Story will open. We hope everyone enjoys it. Uh, we're, we're, we're very proud of it. So. Yeah. Well, I'm looking forward to seeing it. Thanks for coming on. And thank you, Susan, for coming oh, in. Oh, my pleasure. I can't wait to see Toy Story 4. Darling, it's 2 a.m. It's time for closing. The cops, they're all sideways. And I you are listening to the San Francisco Chronicle. Thank you to Jonas Rivera and Susan Slusser. Our producer today is me, Peter Hartlob. Supervising producers are King Kaufman and Libby Coleman. Executive producer is Tim O'Rourke, and our editor-in-chief is Audrey Cooper. Our music is The Tide Will Rise by the Sunset Shipwrecks off their album Community. Read our columns and subscribe to The Chronicle at www.sfchronicle.com. Chronicle podcasts are on Apple Podcasts and other streaming services. Listen at www.sfchronicle.com slash podcasts with an S. Yeah.